welcome to episode 23 of the Shanna Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by Akash. Akash, what's up, man? What's up, KP? Nothing much. Just uh, just spent a weekend watching a bunch of 49ers fan quarterbacks kill it in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, and uh, Aaron Rodgers. Just, just guys that grew up in the Bay Area, rooted for the team we talk about all the time. Just playing for different teams, though. No biggie. Yeah. All the uh, all the remaining quarterbacks in the playoffs are grew up 49ers fans. Um, one of the questions that somebody asked was, if the 49ers elected to sign Tom Brady this offseason, would they still be playing? And instantly everybody was like, he's going to get killed behind this off- offensive line. That would never happen. Well, <laughs> the thing about Tom Brady is, um, but – I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I didn't want to entertain that conversation. Um, But it was funny nonetheless. So thank you to our loyal listeners. We value your comments. We have a comment said, great listen. I enjoy listening to Niners Nate, Leo, and Akash. They really know their stuff. So look at you, Akash, getting a compliment. Leo, you getting a compliment. Niner Nate, bringing that energy and getting a compliment. So that's three right there, baby. Love it, love it, love it. What'd you say? I was going to say, it sounds like I Venmo'd that person. So Venmo- <laughs> hey, if you need to Venmo for us to get five-star reviews, take one for the team and keep it up. So today we're going to talk about a little bit of everything. We have to start with, so recording this on Tuesday night, Trent Balky, 49ers legend, just was named the Jacksonville Jaguars general manager. He has a close relationship with Urban Meyer. So... My takeaway is Jim Harbaugh loses to Urban Meyer once again. All the 49ers beat writers are having a field day with this, just crapping on Balky. Um, PFT, I forgot what her name, I believe it's Shereen Williams. She tweeted out that the 49ers produced 24 all pros and 35 and had 35 Pro Bowl nods under Balky, which is insane to say out loud. Uh, what are you, what do you think of old Balky? Uh, do you think he's going to kill it in Jacksonville? Obviously, he's going to be able to get Trevor Lawrence, and they have cap space to do whatever they want to. Is he going to go crazy and sign athletes, even though they might not have a knee? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, a couple of thoughts. First, if you are a knee surgeon in the Jacksonville Duval County area, you are a winner because they're going to draft a ton of those players. <laughs> Um, but jokes apart, you know, um, this is Urban Meyer's show in Jacksonville. This isn't Trent Baalke's show. Trent Baalke will be working for Urban, um, which is a big deal. So I think Baalke's, you know, his sole focus is on personnel and uh, the draft and free agency, things like that, right? Not overseeing the whole operation, uh, which was kind of his downfall in San Francisco. Um, he gets a bad rap, I feel like. Um, and some of it's deservedly so, but... You know, he had spent, what, six years in San Francisco, right? Uh, Yeah, six years in San Francisco. He drafted a ton of good players. He drafted a ton of bad players. That sounds like every other GM. I think his biggest downfall with the team was the coaches he had hired and kind of the personality and the relationships that he had with those individuals and uh, just kind of how the 49ers were viewed to the media and to the public. Uh, and how there were leaks in the building and all that kind of stuff. That was sort of his downfall. So uh, weird hire. I think it, you know, it's Urban Meyer giving, you know, the middle finger to Jim Harbaugh. And I'm kind of interested to see how this goes, uh, to see if uh, Urban and Trent Balky can put together a team that actually wins. So. You know, if Balky has any success, Urban Meyer is going to get the credit. 49ers fans are not going to give any sort of any ounce of credit to Balky. So we will see how that goes. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, another big 49ers fan himself, said that the salary cap, which is currently at $175 million, has a good chance once the general managers and all the owners discuss of going to $180 million. There is a possibility of that number getting to $195 million, but realistically, it's $180 million, which is $5 million more, which gives the 49ers a chance to maybe backload a few more contracts, frontload a few more contracts, or even just sign another quality player for that amount of money how big of a deal is obviously we know with the 49ers i believe they have like 26 unrestricted free agents and then a whole other you know like a handful more of 
ERFAs and then even more restricted free agents. How important is it for the 49ers to have that extra $5 million just heading into this offseason? Yeah, that would be massive because I'm looking at over the cap right now. Uh, they're committed for about $157 million um, in 2021. So if it was $175 million, which is what John Lynch had originally thought of, that would leave them about $18 million. Uh, in cap space and you know getting any extra amount is going to help them going to help this team because a they have a ton of free agents and they're at a point where they need to add talent uh, to the roster and so getting just anything added to the salary cap is a huge win uh, in retaining some of these players Um, I would say expect a good amount of a one-year deals uh, just because this is there's a year where the cap takes a dip so I could see a lot of players thinking okay let me take a one-year kind of prove it deal and then try to hit it big next year when the cap kind of rises uh, again, or blackloaded deals with cap hits low in 21, and then they pick up uh, as your years go on. But uh, yeah, the higher that number is, the better for 49ers. No, I agree. And I, I imagine that we see a lot of the same where it's just one year, one year, one year, especially with what the 49ers, how many free agents the 49ers have. So they're going to have to sign a ton of players this offseason. And that's just to fill their roster out. That's not talking about the big name guys. They're going to need to fill out the lower level part of their roster as well. So, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how they go about, you know, reworking specific deals. Obviously, if you extend Fred Warner, that creates a little bit more cap space. I'm not exactly sure how much, but every little every deal that they make will have an effect, a domino effect on everything else that they do this offseason. Speaking of PFT. He lit the world on fire because he will not go a month without saying the Kirk Cousins should go to the 49ers. So Florio said it's much more realistic for the 49ers to land Kirk Cousins or for the 49ers to land Kirk Cousins as opposed to them trading, you know, the house for Deshaun Watson. Instantly, like everybody's going to be turned off by Kirk Cousins because they know his name, despite the familiarity He's just not somebody that's going to move the needle. I don't think Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback by any means. Like he's going to be able to get the job done. He's also healthy all the time. So he has that going for him. The problem is Kirk Cousins just screams QB purgatory. Kirk Cousins screams nine and seven, 10 and six, nine and seven, 10 and six over and over where you might win a playoff game. But does anybody really trust Cousins when the, you know, when the, the bullets are flying. Do they think that he's going to be able to get the job done? I do not. I don't think anybody has seen that to be able to say that they can, but would you be on board with Cousins? If you had asked me this in 2018, I might have thought differently because the team was in a different spot. And at that point, you're just trying to get some stability, get some wins on the board. So you're like, okay, Kirk Cousins is, just like you mentioned, uh, a quarterback that can lead you with the right coach to – you know, a wild card berth, a playoff victory, something like that. But you wouldn't trust him to be your franchise Super Bowl leading quarterback. Um, but I personally, I think Kirk Cousins gets a bad rap. You know, um, he has top 10 efficiency numbers, whether you look at like EPA per play, whether you look at CPOE, uh, success rate, any of those metrics in the, over the last few years, he's been in the top 10. He's had a rotating door of offensive coordinators uh, just because he plays for a defensive head coach and, uh, Kevin Stefanski got hired away to be a head coach. And so he plays for a bunch of different guys, which I'm sure has an impact on his play. Um, you know, so I get what Mike Florio is saying in terms of it's more realistic to land cousins than Watson. Cause I actually think that's kind of true. Um, yes. but I don't think they, the 49ers would make that move. And I tweeted this out earlier, you know, there's a couple paths for the 49ers to upgrade at quarterback. A, you know, they get the same production out of the quarterback position that they did, you know, last season with Jimmy Garoppolo at a cheaper cost. So you're able to, you know, improve the team or you pay more for a significantly better quarterback. And I think Kirk Cousins is marginally better than Jimmy Garoppolo. A, because he's healthy all the time. B, I think he just has a better deep ball. And within the structure of the offense, he's just really efficient. Um, So I think he's marginally better, but the cost it will take to acquire him plus what you have to pay him in 21, which is actually less than Garoppolo. But in 22, that number goes up to like 35 million and then he became becomes a free agent. He's also 33 next season. So all that stuff just doesn't add up to me. I just think if you're going to upgrade, you just look a different route, not Cousins. I think that ship has kind of sailed. 
So um, I do think he is true in what he says. I just don't hope. I just hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, no, that's a good point because I just writing about Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins this morning. So I have their numbers side by side. Jimmy G's DVO. So I compared what Jimmy did in 2019 compared to what Cousins did in this past season. I didn't want to compare the numbers from 2019 because Kirk Cousins got to throw to Stefan Diggs. And that is not fair for anybody. So numbers side by side. Jimmy G's DVOA, 10.8%. Cousins, 12%. Every this adds up to essentially everything you're saying. So like the margins are just not enough for a difference. So QB rating, Jimmy's was 58.8, Cousins 63.3. Jimmy actually had a higher on target percentage. So his was 73.9 and Cousins was 71.5. But that just goes to, you know, air air yards and where they're throwing the ball. They had the identical uh, an identical sack percentage number. So both were sacked 6.8% of the time, which is way too high. Both um, Jimmy had a slightly higher interception percentage, 2.7 compared to 2.5. Uh, I mentioned the air yard percentage. So Jimmy's was 44%. Cousins, 54%. Cousins had a higher – Cousins did have a, a percent higher touchdown. So he was 6.8 compared to Jimmy's 5.7. And then their A dot, so average depth of target. Jimmy's is 6.3 compared to Cousins' 7.5. Again, when you talk about the money, so I believe it's $31 million is what he's going to make in 2021. It's just something outrageous like that for Cousins. It'll be 21 for the 49ers because the Vikings would eat the pro-rate signing bonus. So the Niners would get him at 21 and $35 million. $35 million is pretty outrageous for Kirk Cousins. I, I wouldn't pay him $35 million. Um, so that that's where it really hurts. And then he becomes a free agent on top of that. So Right. You don't want to you don't want to pay him again. Yeah. Yeah. So the Kirk Cousins, it just he's not gonna move the needle. I, I feel like Kyle, if you want a quarterback, go get your quarterback. I know that you drafted Kirk Cousins 15 years ago. He is not the same player. He's 33. Yeah. He's on probably his last leg. And maybe that's not fair because quarterbacks are playing longer into their careers, later into their 30s. But again, we haven't seen like this superstar MVP type of player where you're going to go get Cousins. But I, I imagine a big part of the reason that Florio even mentioned this was it's not going to cost an arm and a leg to get Cousins. So if the 49ers wanted Cousins, they could probably have him for like two third round picks because I imagine the Vikings would just be fine with moving on from his salary. All right. We've gone through one hypothetical. Why not another one? And we're going to essentially do this all season because or all off season because that, I mean, we're, it's drafts. It's hypothetical land. Yeah. 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 This is what gets us through the day. <laughs> so I'm coming up with different offseason plans for the 49ers. The first one, and I'm going to go over the – it's going to involve who stays, who gets drafted, who signed from outside of the building, et cetera, et cetera. And let's kick it off. So the first one that I have has the 49ers keeping Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, Kendrick Bourne, Lesser names like Solomon Thomas, Jordan Williams, and Dante Johnson. The important part is in this scenario, they're losing Jaquaski Tart, K1 Williams, Richard Sherman, Jason Verrett, Kerry Hyder, and DJ Jones. So that is quite a few names that are notable and quite a few contributors. Based on what I just said in that scenario, do you feel like the 49ers come out ahead? Yeah, that so that scenario has some good and bad. So good, they bring back their second best player in Trent Williams. They were able to keep Kyle Juszczyk, who you and I thought didn't have such a good season this past year, but uh, he's still young and, you know, the fullback in this offense is really important and that he might be the best in the league still. So they really retain those two guys, which is good. But on the back end, especially in the secondary, they lose basically everybody, right? So you mentioned they've lost Richard Sherman. They've lost Kwan Williams, who we think is going to go to the Jets because he's a New Jersey native. Uh, they lost Kwaski Tart, who you and I really like, um, despite kind of the crap he gets on, on social media. And they've lost their other corner, too. So what do they do in the secondary? Because I think they've got, like, two guys under contract right now, and it's, like, Tim Harris and some other dude I've never heard of. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty frightening to think about losing all those guys and having to kind of start all the way over in the back end. So – by losing those guys, who here's who I had the 49ers signing from outside of the building. So John Ross from the Bengals, 
Austin Blythe from the Rams, Dalvin Tomlinson from the Giants, and I should say that what position they play. So John Ross, wide receiver, Austin Blythe from the Rams, started at center this past season, started at guard the previous two seasons for the Rams. Dalvin Tomlinson is your DJ Jones replacement. Brian Poole is your K-1 replacement. William Jackson, cornerback, that's going to be your Verrett replacement and Keanu Neal uh, because we cannot have an offseason without a former Falcon being signed. So Shanahan brings in a safety and they duke it out. Him and Tarveris Moore duke it out and whoever wins starts. So I think William Jackson is very, very good. He's not Jason Verrett, but he's going to come at uh, over the cap, had his valuation for just north of $6 million, which is a good for a starting cornerback, especially if he can stay healthy and play all the games. He had some very good numbers this past season. He only allowed 46% of his completions on 67 targets, so he has that going for him. And he, I mean, he tall guy, lengthy guy, can run, has solid technique, and makes plays on the ball. So uh, good for William Jackson to get him in, hypothetically, obviously. I think that Austin Blythe is a sneaky good signing because – as as much as I want Corey Lindsley, that's probably not going to happen. Um, he's he's going to make a lot of money. Austin Blythe, though, you have if you there's a center that you like, you can still sign a center. If there's a right guard that you like, you can still sign or draft them. You just have a more you know, a veteran who is a technician and he's an underrated player that stays healthy. And that, that's going to be, you know, the theme of this offseason, I imagine, is they bring in guys that know, know that they know will stay healthy and stay on the field. So out of those guys, and, and sorry, the, going back to Ross real quick, I feel like he's just this offseason's Travis Benjamin where you just throw a flyer on a speed guy. So that was my thought process there. What do you what do you think about some of those names I just threw at you? Yeah, so the Austin Blythe uh, name intrigues me just because I think it's, you know, one of the more underrated um, things about the offensive line was just their discontinuity at center and right guard. Um, we talked a lot about Mike McGlinchey and how he didn't play well, but honestly, you know, the right guard was a rotating door. They had four different guys start there. Center had, I think three different guys start. Um, and the Niners would need to have some continuity at that position in 2021. So bringing in a player like Blythe who has played both positions before, uh, would be good. And at the same time, you are taking away something from a division rival. So that's always a win. Uh, because you are weakening them. So uh, I like that. The William Jackson uh, signing as well intrigues me. Um, you know, 28-year-old, six-foot guy, uh, five PBUs last season, only gave up uh, three touchdowns, had a pick. So uh, all the numbers look good. I haven't necessarily like, watched much of him because he plays for Cincinnati and not necessarily a team I really watch a lot. So, uh, but, I, but I trust your judgment there. So, um, you know, the secondary, you know, wholly shifting basically 100% sons like Emmanuel Mosley and uh, uh, Jimmy Ward is concerning, but uh, they likely to retain uh, Tony Oden, who's the, the DB's coach. So with some of those signings, hopefully they can kind of get back to 2019 levels. So free agents signed, and those are all quality players, and I think that's important as well. So to, to, it doesn't have you don't have to sign guys – Every player that you bring in doesn't have to sign for $15 million to be a quality player. So just get competent guys that you can rely on. Moving on, now what matters is who gets drafted. So in this hypothetical scenario, the 49ers are not making any offseason trades. There is no Matthew Stafford. There is no Deshaun Watson. There is no any other quarterback you can imagine. They elect to roll with Jimmy G and run it back, quote unquote. So in the first round, Kyle gets his guy with Trey Lance. So in this scenario... The reason that I do like it, so Jimmy G gets another season to prove his, to prove that he can stay healthy while Lance kind of gains that valuable experience where I think it's important for him to be able to practice against the speed and the quality of the 49ers defense. So Lance threw three, 318 passes in his career. That is an issue, and and he, he wasn't throwing those passes at Alabama. It came at North Dakota State. So whatever you feel about him, this is not me talking down on him. There's going to be like hiccups early on, and that's going to be for any rookie quarterback, but especially for a guy who just doesn't have a lot of experience. So I think for him to be able to be the scout team quarterback for a year, for however long it takes for him to get acclimated for Kyle Shanahan's system, that would make sense. Um, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is a good example of having to learn behind Alex Smith. I'm not comparing Trey Lance to Patrick Mahomes. I'm just using that as an example. And 
you know, I imagine that Shanahan would have some sort of red zone or short yardage package that involves Lance for a run pass, um, just where he has a run pass option. And in the worst case scenario where Garoppolo gets injured, they don't have to trot out C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins again. They have a first-round quarterback they can rely on, and they never have to turn back. So in that scenario, how do you feel about running it back with Jimmy and rolling with Trey Lance in the first round? Because I, I've had conversations with people that I really love, like really respect and know the the game where we go back and forth and talking about, do you want your quarterback to ride the bench after just selecting him in the first round? Do you want to get anything out of your first round pick or are you cool with him, you know, just sitting out for a year? Yeah. So I know 49ers fans are going to be hyped with that selection. I think they'd be hyped with any first round quarterback at this point. That's not like Mac Jones. Right. Uh, you could throw any name and they'd be excited, but. Yeah, I think Trey Lance has probably the most upside of any quarterback in this draft, just given his physical, like, freak talent. Uh, right. You know, you can coach all of the other stuff, but if you don't have the athleticism, the arm, mobility, all that stuff, then you just don't have it. So Trey Lance has it, and uh, but he's a, an extremely raw prospect. So there's a reason he'd be there at 12 uh, when the Niners would pick, and the Niners likely wouldn't have to trade up for, for him, right? So I think that part is enticing uh so the Niners can you know have you know whatever nine or ten draft draft picks that they have and not have to you know waste future picks and trying to move up to get a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or whatever but on the flip side of that scenario they keep Jimmy Garoppolo um which okay you know he's a viable starting quarterback and uh if he's healthy for 16 games they'll be fine they'll be in the mix next year so uh, it, it's a win-win from that perspective. It really just reminds me of the Al, Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick situation. You mentioned ah, good. Patrick Mahomes thing. Uh, yeah, so he's you know very similar to Colin Kaepernick. All right, just a raw prospect that needs a year uh, to develop, and then you know Alex Smith got hurt, Kaepernick got a shot, and then it just took off from there. And so this again, similar thing. Um, you're hoping that Garoppolo can be the bridge between now and the future that is Trey Lance. So I, I do like that. I do. Yeah, and the 49ers could easily get out of Garoppolo's contract in 2022, and I believe they can even save even more money. So it would make sense financially as well. And then they can continue going that next offseason to really build around their team with Lance if for whatever, like if there isn't any other sort of piece that they want to add. So we added two cornerbacks and a safety in free agency. We added a quarterback in the first round. So with the second and third round, I'm pinpointing another cornerback because it's time. Like you have to invest in the secondary. There is no way that you can continue to go about the way that they've been going. Just betting on guys that were betting on basically injury risk, like a Verrett guy or betting on a restricted or an undrafted free agent like Emmanuel Mosley. That's just not how this game works. And it doesn't have to be a top five pick, but invest early in the secondary. There's nothing wrong with taking a killer Witherspoon. So maybe that's the case where you use one of those comp picks in the third round, towards the end of the third round to invest in the safety. But you probably have to add some kind of edge rusher. So that's where the dilemma comes in. Again, we're talking about the 49ers and everybody wants 2019 back. If you want 2019 back, you better have somebody opposite of Nick Bosa who can win. So Finding whoever that is, I don't know who that is. Finding an edge rusher that's young, athletic, because what what the 49ers did last year, they're going to want somebody who can probably drop into coverage a little bit. But more than anything, it just has the athleticism to, um, yeah, just not get outran by a slow quarterback <laughs> to the edge, essentially. Uh, God forbid that happens again. Um, what do you think about the second round base or the second, third round? Because – I know the 49ers have been fantastic at hitting undrafted free agents and day three picks, but realistically day three picks don't matter. <laughs> they just have some very, been very fortunate and had some good luck, but I think they do have to hit on these, uh, the second round pick and then that the comp pick as well. So in this scenario, where would you go? I'd probably go edge. Um, you know how the 49ers are built though. They're built along the defensive line. Uh, there's a video of D Ford like working out last week i don't know if you saw that but uh, yeah he was uh i don't even know what he was doing but he was in like the weight room working out and so people are like oh is d ford coming back nah i am it's like it's like when you're um you know significant others like just give me one more chance just give me one more chance no we did (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
but yeah, so the 49ers are going to have to have an answer at, at edge rusher because you'd be hard-pressed to believe that Nick Bosa is just going to come back off an ACL injury and just be 2019 Nick Bosa and just be the dominant player that he was. You, usually those ACL injuries, they take a year, right? So that first year, he's just not going to be as explosive. You can't rely on him to play the number of snaps that he did uh, his rookie season. So you're going to have to have depth at that position. And you can't roll out dudes like Ziggy Ansah and Jordan Wills, who's actually pretty good. Um, Deion Jordan, baby. Deion Jordan. Just guys like that. Those dudes are nice as a rotational, you know, uh, as depth pieces, but they cannot be your starters at edge, especially if you choose not to re-sign anyone in the secondary and you have a bunch of new faces. So uh, I think they have to address that position high. And so that would be the second round in this case, especially if you go quarterback at that 12. So I like that over corner. And then obviously you'd go corner or third round. But, um, you know, I think these front offices, they typically go best player available. So it's not like they're like, okay, we have to take an edge. We're going to reach or whatever. So, but those are the two positions that I think you got to hit on. Um, especially if you don't address, you know, the interior offensive line and free agency, which you did with Blythe. So um, then the natural thing is, okay, edge, corner would be the next thing after that. So I want to touch on 2019 and Bosa real quick. To me, even with Bosa coming back and probably playing at an elite level, it's much more realistic to expect what happened this season than what happened in 2019. I don't think people are aware of how dominant that defense was. They made life look easy. Like they embarrassed people. You do not do what they did to NFL teams. Like we've all been watching the NFL for a very long time. The reason you haven't seen 2019 is because that doesn't happen. So um, Bosa's great, man. I love Bosa. And Bosa's probably going to be one of the 10 best players in the NFL, if not next year, the season after. But expecting him to to make the defense historically great again is just not how this works. And it's putting unfair expectations on him. Yes, Armstead is going to be better with Bosa back, but still you're going to have to have so many other plays come up, players come up with these key plays that really just don't happen. So um, I just feel like the expectations for Bosa are just out of, out of control right now. It's, it's one thing to say that he's a great player. It's another thing to say, it's another thing to say that he's going to come back and, Poof, the 49ers are the best of the best again. Um, Go ahead. You have two sides of the coin on 49ers Twitter. A, half of them wants to trade Nick Bosa away for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that's very – that's going to happen. Rob uh, Stats Guerrera is raising his hand. So he's in the camp of trade Bosa away. Leader of that train. Yeah, so he he wants to trade Nick Bosa. So if you disagree with him, just tweet at him, at Stats on Fire on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the other camp is Nick Bosa is going to come back and he's going to make this defense 2019 levels. And I think both sides are on, on extremes and the more realistic expectation, like you said, is that the defense, which was really freaking good this season, just returns to, you know, 2020 level and their offense picks up the slack. Right. And, you know, we're recording on Tuesday night and it's the anniversary of the NFC championship game. And, uh, it was all over the Twitter timeline and, you watch some of those highlights as they play Aaron Rodgers, and you see, you know, D. Ford, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Quan Alexander, Fred Warner flying around, like all in the backfield. By the way, and like every other play, <laughs> and you got like Richard Sherman locking one side down. You got Mosley on the other side, and you got Tartan Warder flying around. And you're like, holy sh! This team is loaded defensively. They're all healthy. They're firing on all cylinders. Robert Solis calling a good game. And they're just absolutely destroying, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really tough to expect that level. And so I would just pump the brakes if anyone's like, oh, we get healthy and we'll be back to 2019 levels. Eh, not quite, not quite. They're, they're missing a ton of talent that that team had. So. What's far more likely is the defense just regresses a little bit as well, but the offense picks up that slack, kind of what you just said. So I – I think the expectation is that now that Kyle Shanahan has, you know, a healthy quarterback once again, okay. also he has true. Also, he has Brandon Ayuk to deal with. So he has a legit wide receiver number one on the outside, and he doesn't have to wait till the middle of the season. So he has him and he has Debo Samuel and then George Kittle. So he has weapons to work with where they can really dial it up and go from there. So the 49ers offense in 2019 was very good, but I feel like a lot of that was manufactured and I don't 
think that they played the t- most difficult schedule, especially earlier in the season. So that some of those numbers are inflated. Like what they dropped like a hundred points on Carolina, which they did whatever they wanted to. And a few of those early games of the Bengals as well. So um, it's more realistic for the offense to step it up than the defense to take it to a, a crazy level. So we are going to take a break. When we get back, we are going to go through some secondary questions. All right, we are back. So, Tonight's podcast is going to be themed around the secondary. Next week, we might do linebackers. We might do defensive line. We might hop to the other side of the ball. Who knows? So first question comes from Bob Cook at TN Niner fan. Which of the two highest rated cornerbacks in the draft, Sertan or Farley, would be the best match for the 49ers? Akash, have you watched either of these two? I've watched Sertan. I've not watched Farley. So, uh, you know, Bob, appreciate the question. I can't compare the two. I do think Sertan would be a good fit. Um, when it comes to defensive backs, I really listened to uh, our guy Eric Crocker, um, who played defensive back, and he really knows his stuff. Um, and he's really high on Sertan and and his fit, especially in this type of a system, um, would be good. Um, I think I was listening to him yesterday. He said he's not as good of a prospect coming out as Jeff Okuda was last year, but he's still really, really good. Uh, the Alabama corner. I have not watched a snap of Caleb Farley, so I couldn't tell you how he plays, but um, you would probably have to take Sortan in the, you know, with the first pick for uh, sure in your, in your first, your first round pick that number 12. So uh, back to your hypothetical situation, you wouldn't get Trey Lance. You would get Sortan in that situation. Um yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan of taking a corner in, in the first round. I just think I would rather address the need later. Um, I would rather take an edge or a quarterback or something else, but Sertan's a really, really good player. I, too, have an expertise in defensive back. I did not play in the NFL. I have coached the position for seven years. Um, He's trying to flex on us because uh, I got a compliment on our podcast, and now Kyle's just all a little butthurt and – I just want to tell you, I just want to tell Eric, if you're listening, I'm a better talent evaluator than you. So I hope this helps. No, that's not true. Um, well, kind of. Anyway, uh, so about Sertan, my only question with him, and he is like everything you said that Croc said about him as far as technique, scheme fit, like he is, he does his job to a T and you cannot take that away from him. He is a very technically sound cornerback. The only issues that I have is his athleticism. I'm not so sure that he is fast. And that is a little bit of an issue. I'm not so sure that he is sudden. I don't think that he is going to be a blazer. And you can kind of see that when other receivers get separation at the top of the route when they're breaking in or breaking out. There is a little lag from Sertan and you don't see that with Virginia Tech's Farley. So if I were to guess, Sertan's probably going to run like a 4 in that range where Farley's probably going to run like a 4-3-8. Like he can really, really fly. He's like 6-2 as well. He, he has great length. Um, his closing speed is just out of this world. Not a great tackler, like not a sound. You know, he's more of a raw, like a Trey Lance in a sense for the cornerback position where he has like all the tools in the world. But he's putting together so he's put together some – Pretty good tape, some pretty good seasons. Uh, he he opted out this past year, but he didn't have anything to prove, so I understand why he did. But if we're betting on potential, Farley is more talented than Sertan, but he's just probably not as um, you know much of a refined prospect as Sertan, which is not again not downing on it, or not talking down on him by any means because Sertan went to Alabama, and whenever you go to Alabama and play as early as Sertan did, you're probably pretty good. So like the MIT um, of uh, you know. Defense. Yeah, yeah, man. All right, moving on. Uh, Jeffrey Walzier, he asked, if they don't draft a QB in the first round, do you think it's pretty much a lock that the 49ers will draft a corner? I'm not sure if he meant whether the 49ers would draft a corner in the first round. So let's say that if the 49ers don't go quarterback in the first round, is it cornerback? Is it edge rusher? Do they trade down? What do you feel like they would do? Um. Honestly, it depends on what they do in free agency and True. what happens with, you know, some of the health with, uh, you know, D Ford, for example. And that'll really, you know, tell you what direction um, they're going in the draft. Like, think back to free agency last year. They let, you know, they traded away DeForest Buckner uh, and they let Emmanuel Sanders walk. Well, what did they do with their first two picks? They, you know, took Javon Kinlaw and then they drafted uh, Brandon Ayuk. So um, I feel like it's too early to be like, 
they have to draft a corner or they have to draft an edge because you don't know what they're going to do in free agency or with trades to address those positions. Um, and, I, and I'm sure the 49ers don't even know what they're going to do with their first round pick right now. Um, right. I think we're a little too early to say, okay, is that a lock that they're going to take uh, said, you know, so-and-so position. Um, but I do think it, it, it is a need uh, that the team needs to address somehow, whether that's free agency, draft, trade, et cetera. Yeah, I think to answer his question, they're probably going to draft a cornerback, and that's probably going to happen with those first three picks. And one of those first three picks, whether it's the first, whether it's the third, who knows? But I think it's safe to say that the time has come where they're going to invest in a cornerback, and especially knowing how many unrestricted free agents there are. So uh, JB6 has another question. Do you trust Witherspoon enough to resign? Only started playing at anything like a decent level at a contract time and the question marks about mentality and toughness. So I don't like that. We question a player's mentality, like toughness mentality. Like there's no way for us to know that. Like we can see how they react, but like, for example, if a guy gets stiff armed by Derrick Henry, that doesn't mean that he's not a tough player. That just means he got stiff armed by a 265 pound rock. That doesn't, there's nothing to take away from that. So uh, it feels like that, that's more hypothetical than anything. But to answer to ask answer the question, I don't think that Witherspoon would want to be back, if anything, like to flip the table. Like, of course, the, I imagine the 49ers would love to have him back on like a value type deal where he's he kind of has to prove himself. He's I mean, he's higher on the depth chart than Emmanuel Mosley, which changed from the start of the season. And the 49ers probably do need two, if not three starting cornerbacks. I would re-sign him, but I don't know if the 49er or if Witherspoon wants to be back because he might just want a fresh start, go somewhere else, maybe follow Salah to the Jets. Uh, Kosh, where do you stand on bringing back Witherspoon? Yeah, he might, especially at the end of the season, he might have had the most talent out of any of the corners just given his size and his athleticism. Um, and if he's playing the way he did towards the end of the year where he's physical and he's tough, um, to you know go on kind of what you said – then he's a pretty good player. And I'm sure the 49ers will try to re-sign him, just like you said. Um, I hope he's back because I think he's started to kind of blossom into a productive player there. And it's unfortunate that he's hitting free agency right <laughs> right at this time. Uh, I'm sure the 49ers would love to have him under contract right now. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what his relationship with Kyle Shanahan is like compared to Robert Sala because obviously – he was, you know, inactive a couple times uh, during the season. He didn't dress uh, just because they had chosen to go different because of special teams. Uh, was in Kyle's doghouse for a little bit. Obviously, you know, managed to climb out of it, which was pretty good. You know, can't say that about everybody, um, which is impressive. So I'm not sure what their relationship's like and if Akella wants to be back, like you said. Um, but, yeah, I, I hope they bring him back. I, I think he will be good if they do. Uh, re-sign him next season. We talked about the salary cap and how that might go up $5 million. What are the odds that the 49ers, so they, that I want to say there's they're rumored to have a history of low-balling players, so I don't pin that on them, but we all know what I'm trying to say here. So are like, will a player like Verrett, like Witherspoon, probably not Sherman, but let's say Kwan Williams in this scenario, would a player take a value deal to come back knowing that the cap is what it is, knowing that, you know, one-year deals might be the wave, like you mentioned? Do you Could you see either of those guys, you know, giving the team a sort of a friendly, a hometown discount to come back? I think it depends on what stage of your career you're at, right? If you're Jason Brett, you've had some injuries, a little older, you're trying to cash out. You're trying to find yes. the biggest, biggest possible deal, uh, most guaranteed money, probably wherever it is, and you're just taking it and running um, just because you're at that stage in your career. Whereas your Akella Witherspoon is your second contract. You're younger. You could probably do a value deal. And, you know, the way he played at the end of the season, he's probably going to be slotted to be a starter. If he plays well, then he's going to be, you know, uh, he's going to have more film on, film on record, and he's going to be more valued going into next season when the cap is higher. So younger guys, I could see going for that value deal and uh, trying to attack a bigger market next year. Some of the older, more injury, you know, plagued guys, I can see them just trying to cash out. No, and that's that's a good point, and especially the age. If 
I am all for players just getting as much money as they can. Uh, I believe is Andrew Brandt on it. On he used to, he maybe he wrote, wrote for PFT, but I know I think he was a, he was a yeah he was a he was an agent for a long time in the NFL. So maybe that was he, it. he asked why did Deshaun Watson sign an extension earlier this season when Bill O'Brien was still the Texans coach. Who is going to turn down that much guaranteed money? Why on earth would you not is a question. So in, in this scenario, if the Bears were to offer Jason Verrett like $30 million guaranteed, take the money, please. Like, why would you not? Imagine going to your wife and saying, hey, babe, I, I decided to come back to San Francisco on a one-year $8 million deal because I really like the, really the organization. Oh, what other offers did you have? Oh, nothing too much. I had a four-year, $52 million deal from the Bears, but I like the barrier, so we're going to stay here. That's just not how human minds work. So I, I'm all for guys, you know, getting their money. All right, Nickel, K1 Williams was a popular question. So what do we do? This question is from Dumbo, at Dumbo underscore mate. So great at, by the way. What do we do if – what do we do at Nickel if Williams doesn't return? Jamar Taylor played well. Very well this season. Do we continue to use him? Well, who knows if Jamar Taylor would even be healthy by the time the next season starts. And based on Kyle Shanahan's comments, well, first of all, he was a leadership and they loved him after he got injured. So they they really spoke highly. And not when I say they, I mean the players spoke highly of Taylor, but he's injured. So in that hypothetical scenario, hopefully that answered your question that I would say Brian Poole or just uh, maybe McKenzie Alexander from the Bengals. Bring a, a, a lower level guy in to do what K1 Williams can do. You're not probably not going to get the same type of production, but you're not paying for that type of production. So you can't be mad at that. If you get anything near what he does, great. If not, you're going to have to have one of your other players step up. Is there is there any uh anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I like the the Brian Poole name that you mentioned at slot corner would be a good fit. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, I think he just got cleared of uh like battery charges today, so he's free to <laughs> free to sign wherever he wants. Um, and if you go in the draft, uh, I know Asante Samuel Jr., I know that name's been tossed around. Haven't watched much of him, so full disclosure, but uh, I've heard the name tossed around. So you could address your nickel corner position that way too. Um, so there, there's way, ways to you know backfill that need. I do think K1 Williams is gone. Richard Sherman tweeted about it. I'm sure K1 Williams has told him already that if he All got right. the opportunity to go back home, that he would. Like Sherman ain't just shooting the shit out of his ass right he, he he knows what he's saying that was not um, unprompted yeah no 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 um so good for k1 hopefully he cashes out um you know i he's been a hell of a player for the 49ers especially for what they've paid him uh these last few years and so it's gonna be tough to replace that production like you mentioned um because he's been one of the best slot corners in the league so yeah i don't think jamar taylor's coming back just given his injury um i do think it's gonna be someone else uh, last one. So Gabriel, no idea how to say your last name, but I'll give it a shot. Azule, losing DJ Reed this year was a blow to our future in the secondary. So leaving it at that, Reed was excellent for the Seahawks this last half of the season. Um, he had one one game, I believe it was week 15, where it's probably one of the better performances that I've seen from cornerback just as far as effort goes. Uh, 49ers could have had him, could have used him in the slot this year could have probably even used him outside if need be next year even more so but I don't even know if they ever would have given DJ Reed a chance to play outside but he's a Seahawks starting cornerback and he's probably going to start for them on the outside next year way to go John Lynch you did it again (laughs) Um, but the rest of his question we are likely losing K1 Williams and Richard Sherman. How much more important is re-signing Tart? Is Xavier Rhodes a potential free agent target across from Verrett? Is Verrett a must? Emmanuel Mosley as well. Is he a slot replacement? So a lot in that question might have asked 17 different questions in that tweet. Don't worry about it. It is our job to address that. So let's break it down here. How much more important is re-signing Tart? Do you think Tart comes back? I'm going to say no. I don't think so. I think he gets a bigger offer somewhere else. Uh, I think the Niners would, you know, give him a value deal. And I think he just turns it down. Here's here's what I would expect to happen. Tart turns down whatever the 49ers offer. Tart goes to the Ravens, signs 
probably a, a deal that's maybe two or three million dollars more stays healthy all season because that's what's going to happen. Uh, balls out. Yep, plays at a high level, and everybody blames the 49ers for letting him walk out, even though, you know, he has the obvious injury history. That's just how these things tend to happen. So, uh, love Tart, but I imagine he's on his way out. Is Xavier Rhodes a potential free agent target across from Brett? So, PFF uh, linked the linked Xavier Rhodes to the 49ers. He was very good for the Colts this year. Uh, was not very good the year before for the Vikings. Looked like a shell of himself, could not run, but um, bounced back in a big way. In a contract year at a value deal. I believe he, he signed a contract for like $1 million, uh, or sorry, one year, $4 million, something worth pennies compared to what you would imagine a former first-round cornerback would look like. Uh, I wouldn't mind Xavier Rhodes one bit, actually. And, and he crossed my mind, aside from William Jackson, I would just think William Jackson can just run a little bit better. And, I mean, I, I just like him a little bit better. But again, would be all for Xavier Rhodes. You mentioned uh, Asante Samuel. So I'm a Florida State fan. So Xavier Rhodes, let's go. Asante Samuel, we'll take him too. Um, a couple of years down the line, Derwin James, let's go. Jalen Rams, let's get all these guys on the 49ers. All right. Um, the last part of the question, Emmanuel Mosley. is is Have we seen the last of Mosley on the field, or do you think what, – what do you think his role is for the 49ers moving forward? I don't think so. I think, um, you know, he's a restricted free agent. I think he's back just because they need the depth at the position. Um, he's going to be able to compete at one of these outside, uh, you know, corner spots. He may be able to compete at nickel corner. Just given how the salary cap is going to be, I don't think the 49ers are going to be able to make a splash play at corner where you you just say, okay, that guy, we're just going to slot him there and we don't have to worry about it. It's going to be one of those, like – value deals or guy that's coming off of an injury or something like that where there's going to be a competition and Moses is going to have a chance because he's he's been a starter before with this team he knows the system so I don't think his time with the team is, is over quite yet he just got pushed down the depth chart this season uh with kind of the you know um Verrett's emergence and uh, the resurgence of Witherspoon well and let me ask you when you say you know, splash signing. What, give us a dollar figure. What what comes to mind when you're saying like when you're when you're talking about that type of money? I'm thinking like fifty million dollar plus, right? I'm thinking right. like you sign one of the top guys on the market, you pay him top dollar, like what Miami gave uh, Byron Jones um, last year, uh, or is that two years ago? Something like that. Something like that would be just splash signing where you where you say, okay, Byron Jones, you're playing outside corner. There's no competition. He's our starter, et cetera, right? The Niners haven't made that type of a move at corner outside of Richard Sherman, and that was a guy coming off of an injury on more of an incentive-based deal. And But outside of that, it's been like the Jason Verrett's and you know drafting guys like Witherspoon and Mosley, and, and it's been a lot of that. So I, I expect more of that. Well, there you go. We're going to wrap it up. We answered your secondary questions. Thank you to everybody for sending those in. We went through an off-season plan. So the 49ers in this scenario, keep Jimmy G, draft a quarterback in round one, Trey Lance. He's going to develop behind Jimmy. They are not going to make any splash signings in free agency. Just going to bring in, you know, mid-level to lower-level guys and kind of hopefully, you know, Get through 2021, essentially. That's the goal. Get through 2021, compete, get to 2022, and then hopefully you'll be able to spend some more of that money and, and bring in some more value. So uh, my name is Kyle Posey. Thank you again for listening to us. Please leave a five-star review, rate, subscribe. Follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. Akash, where can we find you? You can find me at Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. That's where we drop all our content. Before we do go, I am curious. This weekend, championship weekend, which former 49er fan are you riding with this week? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think the Chiefs expose some of the Bills' defense that Lamar could not take advantage of because – as much as I love Lamar, he left a lot of plays on the field and he is just super jittery in the pocket. And I feel like people kind of walk on eggshells when we talk about Lamar Jackson, but me being me, not what I'm going to do. And he cost him that game for lack of better words. Like Greg Roman can be bad as well. He was equally as bad, 
but Lamar just didn't do enough. And Patrick Mahomes is not going to have those issues. I don't care if he doesn't have a foot attached. I don't care if what like what he's going to clear the concussion protocol because, protocol because that's it's the NFL. Like they're going to make sure that Mahomes is playing. Um, so I like the Chiefs there, and I, I actually. Um, I, I feel like they'll be able to kind of have their way with the Bills on defense. Um, Josh Allen is Josh Allen. Like he's amazing, and he's going to continue to make plays. On the other side, uh, I like Aaron Rodgers, and I think that, I mean, just the way that he's playing, I think that they'll be able to get the best of um, – I believe that they'll be able to get the best of – I can't even remember who they're playing. Oh, Tom Brady, duh. Tom Brady. I don't – Vita Vey is supposedly going to come back. I don't know how much he's going to be able to give them. He was unreal to begin the season. Really he was probably one of the the better, if not the best, defensive tackle in the NFL. Uh, I don't know, man. That that offense is so, so shaky and so hit or miss that I don't know that they'll be able to keep pace with the Packers because if you mess up against Aaron Rodgers, he is going to make you pay. And the Tampa Bay has a ton of coverage busts. Because Drew Brees and I have the same arm strength, he was not able to take advantage of that. But I don't. I just don't see the Packers struggling. I, I think they'll be able to. Uh, also, Jalen Ramsey is not on the Bucks, so there's nobody to shut down um, Devontae Adams because the Rams were able to. They, I think they targeted Jalen Ramsey on Adams like two times or four times or something like that. Where uh, that's not happening next game. So I like the Packers. I like the Chiefs. What about you? I'm rolling with the favorites, too. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is playing out, out of his mind. Kyle Shanahan's favorite quarterback. I wonder if he'd want him right now because he that dude is dominating. Um, so I, I just think they're too much. I think the the Bucks, especially, they don't feel like a Tom Brady team. They don't feel like buttoned up, really. Uh, it feels like a loosey-goosey operation, and it's kind of hit or miss, especially on offense. And defensively, like you mentioned, it feels like even though they're Todd Bowles-led and Todd Bowles really good, it just feels like they make a lot ton of mistakes and against Aaron Rodgers is going to expose you for that. Uh, but, you know, they do have Brady and cold weather, all that stuff that isn't going to phase him. So it'll be a good game. On the other side, I do think the Chiefs roll. Um, and, you know, watching Andy Reid, that's when I was like, man, I wish Kyle Shanahan was coaching in these playoffs because the stuff that Andy Reid was calling, you're like, holy crap. I mean, those two guys, what they do pre-snap with motions and stuff like that is, is phenomenal to watch. So, I'm going with the favorite Chiefs and Packers. Yeah, it's fun to see the best play callers show out on the biggest stage. Uh, we, we'll end with this. So I saw – I can't – I don't remember that you're at, so I can't give you credit. Sorry. But somebody said, are we sure that Tom Brady, Tampa Bay quarterback, warm weather quarterback, will be able to hold up at Lambeau Field since he's never played in the cold weather? That was so good to me, obviously knowing his history. So thank you for listening. Again, rate, subscribe, review, wherever you get your podcast. Five-star review, that is. Go 49ers. 49ers.